Hello, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, folks. Thank you. Hello, folks. Thank you. Welcome back to the Strange Tonic Podcast. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. I hope everyone had a great holiday season and is starting off the new year in fantastic form. Thank you again for following us. I know it's been a little bit. Michelle and I took a uh, unplanned but certainly very needed and, at least for me, helpful break over the holidays to get kind of caught up with friends, family, work, and you know all that other jazz. But we're back, and thank you for sticking with us. Also, thank you to our friends Pan Astral, who actually have a concert for those of you who live in the Denver area, coming up February 3rd at the Lost Lake Lounge in Denver. So check them out. Also, check out their website, panastral.com, panastral on iTunes, panastral on SoundCloud, panastral on Bandcamp, because you must keep up with them. In this recording, I am again using their wonderful tune, Animal, off of their most recent, currently most recent, if you will, album, Spurban Blues. So check them out. New album should be dropping, hopefully pretty soon. So keep up. Again, thanks for Pan Astral for doing that, and we just love them. So, with that being said, here we go. Let's do this. Thank you for following us. I'm sorry this intro sucks, but it does. But the conversation's better, I swear. As the next episode, uh-huh. and then kind sure. of like, just so I'm not like, oh, mad scramble. Plus, <laughs> as we said before, we can't take any time because he just keeps doing stuff, or saying stuff, or tweeting stuff. Or other people that have, may or may not have heard him do those things are now saying stuff. <laughs> when I was driving into work this morning, which, mind you, took... Uh-huh. Forever? Two and a half hours. Oh man! To go twenty oh, no. miles total. Actually, less. Uh, Sorry, it's fifteen. And it took me. Let's see. I think uh, two of those hours were to go a mile and a half. There was wow. a accident. Uh, the two exits before the exit that I take to get off to go to my office. Uh-huh. And I listen to NPR. This is where I'm going with this. And it starts okay. off it's like, and if you're headed uh, on I-5 southbound in Seattle, uh, make sure you add some extra time because there's a major collision at uh, Forrester Street near the West Seattle Bridge blocking the right two lanes. And over the oh. course of the morning, it goes up to four lanes somehow. <laughs> which I'm, It like, gets worse yeah, after like, it, exactly, it already like, <laughs> What? And it's not like uh, last year around this time... After I'd already gotten to work, thank God, 
a truck carrying uh-huh. like butane or something tipped over. Ugh. And so it shut down all lanes of the interstate in both directions. Plus, they had to evacuate a huge homeless encampment there because of you know, hazmat. Jeez. Yeah. And they didn't open it back up until after I'd already gone home from work the, that same day at five. Holy cow. So, yeah, uh, for That's those bad. of you that are thinking of moving to Seattle, don't. It's full of <laughs> accidents that cost you, it could possibly cost you your job. But yeah. where I'm going with this is they were interviewing, I guess I can't say our illustrious senator because I don't live in Colorado anymore, but the uh, <laughs> wonderful Cory Gardner on NPR mm-hmm. during my morning slog. And the first thing they asked him was kind of like what is his take on Trump's tweets, you know, the whole... Uh, my button is bigger than his button, it's better than his button, it totally works, which, uh-huh. I mean, that's beyond projection at that point because there is no actual yeah. button that he presses to do anything. It's just a, like, ha-ha, I'm going to make a dick joke. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Corey Gardner's response was, can you, can you guess or did you hear it, maybe? I, I did not hear, so please enlighten me. That's what he does was the gist of it. That's all he said? Yep. And when the interviewer kind of pressed him to go with, well, you know, so what are you going to do about this? Because this kind of seems like it's irresponsible. And he goes, well, listen, uh, so far we're focusing on making sure that we get things done for Americans, such as this tax relief bill, which helps out <laughs> millions upon millions upon millions of hardworking <laughs> Americans, especially in Colorado, who are who desperately need tax relief. Oh, sweet. Their sycophancy is just... There, it knows no ends. Like, as long as he, like, they'll let him, you know, possibly flirt with being authoritarian and, you know, cause uh, diplomatic crises via Twitter, as long as they occasionally yeah. get something that, uh, I think you probably saw the reports, that I guess uh, they were mainly worried that if they did not get this tax bill passed, they would lose the support of the Koch brothers and fellow mm-hmm. donors like them, their network, because... How can you not get tax reform when you control two branches of government? I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Right. But he yeah. did say it's... that he's going to hold up, to Gardner's credit, that he will hold up, uh, I think, mainly judicial appointments until uh, Jeff Sessions basically, I guess you could say, rescinds his decision to rescind that Obama decision <laughs> to not prosecute you know, marijuana cases in states that legalize it. So, good on you, sort of, Cory Gardner? Yeah, it's it's because his constituency, it's way too lucrative for them. Like, it's still just, it's following the money. It has nothing to do with decisions on anything or the, the conflict between federal and state law. I don't think. I can't, I wouldn't give him that much credit or integrity. He, you know, he being one of my representatives, after all, whom I did not vote for. My impression um, of, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, he's, you know, he's he's one of the, the cowards that refuse to hold town halls and, you know, refuses to see people at his office quite frequently. And, you know, he he doesn't believe in the, you know, certain um, reproductive rights for women. And, you know, so I, I don't know. I guess you can give him a little bit of credit, Noel, but I don't want to give him any credit. That's why it's the littlest of credit. <laughs> I mean. Like the smallest amount of possible credit. <laughs> I would have given him a little more credit if he'd gone down the road of you can't just erase Obama's presidency by 
doing the exact opposite of whatever he did. Which mm-hmm. I would like to get into a little bit more in a second. But first, I just want to get back to Corey Gardner for a second. Because, okay, forgive my ignorance here, I don't really know... I don't feel he was elected while I was living in Colorado. I don't remember that. And, no, I'm pretty sure he was just from the last last election okay. cycle. But yet Fairly he's... Sure. No, our... I'm wrong, actually, Noel. Oh, I'm sorry. No, he was a state senator until between uh, 2011 and 15. And so it was in 2016 okay. that he became and part of Congress. So. Yet he's already the... Uh, isn't he the chair of the congressional... Senator- sorry, the senatorial... Oh, sorry, the Republican Senatorial Committee, I believe. Because he... Oh, really? So, yeah, another kind of, like, I'm doing the whole, like, whoa thing with my finger, where he gets partial credit, is while the RNC kept dumping money into Roy Moore's campaign, the senatorial committee did not. They cut off Roy Moore. So, yay, good job, Aww. Cory Gardner. You're sort of doing occasionally, rarely things <laughs> that are not sycophantic. most basic and vague of non I can't even say it, man. How do you say it? (laughs) Sycophancy, sycophant... Crap. Sycophanticness. Uh, (laughs) That word. That. (laughs) I was talking with my dad on the phone this evening about Cory Gardner, and we were talking about that to his, you know, well, he, he did say this. Like, I get the impression... Knowing what I know of Colorado politics, especially working in a couple, not working, again, being an intern in a couple uh-huh. of local organizations in that part of the state where agriculture is king, he uh-huh. kind of seems like he was the center that was elected mainly by the farmers. That's correct. Yes. And that seems like his area of expertise, because I see him talking about water rights a fair amount, which is... Uh, <laughs> I guess you could say for as many Americans are completely bored when they hear the term net neutrality, mm-hmm. I would imagine many more are just as bored hearing the term water rights. However, for people that are in agriculture, water rights is extremely important. So yes. I've sat through many yes. meetings where like people just get up and complain about that. It's like, okay, I get it. I, I get it. It's important. Um, yeah. But... Man, I just, I would imagine that because Colorado is going increasingly blue, I would imagine Cory Gardner might have a tough, you know, go of it his uh, next election. Maybe. I I would imagine so. I guess this is my own ignorance of my own local politics. I don't I don't really know where the the voting districts fall right now, and it you know the, the boom of matter for a Senate election because no, i'm pretty sure that's just statewide because it's kind of like all or nothing yeah. yeah um yeah he he might have a tough time and i'm pretty sure that he won by like a pretty small margin um you know at least on the flip side of that we still have michael bennett who's you know doing Who, uh, things and being uh, okay and <laughs> speaking out he seems be, okay i guess so truth be told i uh i didn't do much but i did a bit of volunteering for Bennett's primary opponent when he first ran. Uh, yeah. Who is... Uh, That's interesting. His One of his opponents, I had actually met in person, and he was the uh, speaker of the State House in Colorado at the time when I was doing one of my internships, and he was just so on top of everything. Like I could email him about any bill that was going through, and he would 
not only respond, but he would respond with a, he was very well informed. And I think mm-hmm. he also appealed, not that Bennett's like some sort of radical leftist, but he appealed more to me as kind of a centrist policy wonk, more so than Bennett. Okay. Who, at my, at my, at that time, I sort of knew Bennett more as a guy who was kind of just a well-connected guy about Denver. Uh-huh. Sure. Well, he was appointed to his first, like... Mm-hmm. position yeah go ahead but yeah so um <laughs> there's that and that goddamn awful roy moore man but i was perusing twitter as i do quite often probably too much recently and someone had posted a map of how the various districts within alabama had voted and this person uh-huh. was going well if you look at it only two districts actually the majority voted for Doug Jones and someone else responded with that's because this is a horribly gerrymandered state. So where all of the population is the two biggest Mm -hmm. centers get two districts as where the rest of the state, which is fairly rural gets like, I think five or six. Right. It's like, that's not how this works. Like it's representative government. It's not whoever controls the most geographical area. Right. That's not how it's it's supposed to work or intended to work. Which, uh, going back to, I I guess, this might get posted if I go back and do some, like, greatest hits from old stuff that we recorded three or four weeks ago. Um, Okay. uh, That book I was telling you about, One Nation After Trump by E.J. Dion, Norman Ornstein, and Thomas Mann. Right. He talks about how for far too long... Recently, the Republicans have been able to actually rule even when they're in the majority by technically being a minority. So the senators representing the states or senators representing states that voted against. uh, Oh, no. What's his name? Oh, gosh. Neil Gorsuch's nomination. Uh huh. Represents like something like 60 percent of Americans. So even though they had less than the majority of the votes in the Senate. They represent more mm-hmm. Americans. And he talks, the, these authors talk about that in terms of representation, something like the the ratio of represent, representatives to the population in California is something like 400,000 to one. Right. As where in Wyoming, it's like 12,000 to one. Right. And so this idea that somehow... What we're seeing now with Trump and Trumpism is the country taking over. It's like, no, this is actually a minority taking over because the system mm-hmm. was, as we talked about a different podcast too, with the Electoral College, was sort of set up this way, but was never meant at all to be this just ridiculous where smaller states have such a disproportionate say in national politics. Mm-hmm. And this is not, I, I just kind of found this funny. Uh, Kevin Williamson, who writes for the National Review, is somewhat of a, let's say, like a cantankerous user of social media. And his typical interactions on Twitter are to retweet the like a quote from a more inane commenter and then correct them. And someone actually said that 99% of Americans don't live in cities. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Repeat that. What? So this is what someone tweeted at him was that 99% of Americans don't actually live in cities. And Williamson 
instantly <laughs> corrected saying 80% of Americans live in like metro areas. Yeah. Verbs like, included, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's Yeah. <laughs> I was listening to again, oh, sorry, I listened a lot of NPR obviously. Yeah, you did. And it was a state senator from California talking about how you know this new tax bill is sort of counterintuitive in that it really taxes people who live in not only the the like the biggest tax bases really within the like national like national like countrywide, but the states that are the economic drivers of the country. So the sort of I guess this is a long-winded rambling thing of this is why if you gerrymander stuff it can only go so far because really not to like denigrate the rest of the country but you shouldn't punish economic centers because I'm sorry but Alabama you need California you need mm -hmm. Washington state you need New York state like right port cities all that good stuff mhm mm yeah uh, uh... I have a I have a question because I couldn't like Google an answer quick enough, and you you may or may not know this, but when was when was Congress like last expanded? When was the House of Representative numbers last increased? Oh, I don't know the exact answer to, either. To co yeah to like coincide with population growth. But I feel like it was sometime in like either the late nineties or early two thousands because I felt like I had taken a class okay. at that time where Colorado gained an extra seat. Okay. But yeah, it's it it's it needs to happen. Also, it's yeah, but it's it's like it's been a while. Yeah, and, all, and the Senate model is also kind of broken. I mean, when every state, regardless of population, gets two votes, it's disproportionate. Right, but but that's that that's part of what's supposed to be the balance, right? So. True. What's interesting too about the electoral college, I think, in a couple of ways is that the Electoral College was supposed to be the mechanism to prevent us from electing a, a lunatic yeah, exactly. to the House. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was set up to be the check against populism and just straight-up democracy because, you know, like, a person is smart but a crowd is stupid. Like, that, mm -hmm. that kind of, like, mentality. So the Electoral College was supposed to be the balance against that. But somewhere in the last 20 years, party, mainly the, the GOP, actually, I mean, I'm, I was trying to be like facetious there, but no, straight up, the GOP figured out that they were, they were not gaining momentum in the ways that they had hoped in the last like 20 to 30 post Reagan years. And for a while, they were trying to figure out how do we reach out to minorities? How do we reach out to women? But in the 2000s, someone said, fuck that. What we need to do is exclude those people. How do we do that? Voter ID laws. And let's gerrymander the shit out of it so the Electoral College is our winning mechanism. And and, and that's what happened in 2010. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, this, this device that seems so antiquated and outdated actually worked pretty good for like a solid 200 years. <laughs> but now the system has been so corrupted, voting districts have been so gerrymandered and under the noses of the Democrats, too. Like, the GOP kind of made this public, like, in 2010, that this, this was their intention. Well, it, it, it worked. And so it's like, how do we un-gerrymander? Un how, how do we undo this geographic outlining that has, has created President Trump, you know? Which I was actually 
having the same conversation with my dad this evening, where I'm not advocating that the Democrats follow the Koch brothers playbook of getting into every local election and forcing your, you know, by using money, forcing your ideological bend on everything. But Mm -hmm. I think what Democrats have kind of, I hope, learned this year is just get into every election because everything should be contested. Not because Republicans are necessarily evil, but I think when elections are more competitive and actually more representative, so rather than Democrats gaining power and then gerrymandering the shit out of things for themselves, Mm -hmm. get in power and go, all right, we're going to try and equitably and proportionally make districts that are representative of who lives there as opposed to, you know, let's try and cordon off these black people from mm-hmm. these affluent white people and like in trying like it's don't do that like find your population centers don't worry it's too much about it's as weird as that sounds don't actually worry about diversity at that point worry about mm-hmm. making sure that your districts are good because it should yeah I mean, it should be noted that democrats in the past but obviously fluctuating ideologies and stuff like that have gerrymandered things before, right. but it's it's always bad because you want to make that, that would help out with partisanship if in every district people are going forward and trying to win tr- by appealing to their constituencies as opposed to going, all right, this is a safe seat, so now we can put someone like a Roy Moore out there who, Jesus Christ, says all this weird stuff that you know no one right. really understands, but at least he's a Republican, right? Right. And to to further further that argument about Jenny, uh, gerrymandering, a lot of the backlash against or it a lot of the backlash for the type of gerrymandering that we are seeing now as a consequence of the last like ten to twenty years was actually a backlash against the gerrymandering that was done specifically after the Civil Rights Act in the 60s and 70s to make sure that minorities would have a voice and would not just be so displaced and outvoted or discouraged from voting by the people that didn't want them to vote in the first place. So it's, it's not like, <laughs> it's, it's like this weird contradictory thing that like 40, 50 years ago, gerrymandering was used as a mechanism against racism. And now it's been flipped around to be a mechanism for racism and for exclusionary purposes and to make sure that the popular vote doesn't matter at all anymore. Well, it's, you know, it kind of goes in line with, I guess we'll just call it the politics of extreme, where... <laughs> extreme! <laughs> the Senate head, <laughs> for lack of a better term, used the filibuster very rarely, usually in only instances where senators felt it, w- it was necessary to slow down the process. And then... Only in Jimmy Stewart movies. How about that? Oh, it's all about the future of America. I, I, I'll never get Jeremy Stewart. But, uh, <laughs> and then Mitch McConnell comes around and he uses it all the time to slow down not only actual legislation, but judicial nominees. Like, huh? And then after he does that so often, now he's going, well, I hope Democrats don't slow us down. Like, it's... As you said, it's they they take something that was designed to do one thing, turn it on its head, 
and uh-huh. then demand that it be used like when when they're in power demand that the opposition go no you have to use the way it was supposed to use before mm-hmm. let's give bipartisanship a, sh- a shot yay since when uh please forget about the whole yeah. merrick garland thing uh you know <laughs> oh well that never happened <laughs> oh my gosh I oh uh, so so really quick here just a quick aside we'll get to this probably either now or later but <laughs> <laughs> so the article you sent me who was it the hill the psychology yeah. one <laughs> okay so um there was an article published by the hill this was it today or yesterday it, anyways it was this week talking about how uh, who was it? White House represent? No, it was members of Congress, yes, right? Correct. Members of Congress met with a bunch of <laughs> met with a psychology professor from Yale because this professor was doing a psychological analysis on our our dear leader and basically saying he's losing his mind. This is unstable. He's showing erratic behavior. Blah blah blah. Look at all these horrible treats he's, it, tweets he sent out in the last, like, month. Well, in the time that we've started this podcast, he, our, our dear leader, oh, has God. tweeted something new. <laughs> this is why we, so we, I we do can't not take follow a holiday him. break. That bastard. This is why, this is, <laughs> I know, this is why we always talk about politics is because of this asshole. And <laughs> so in the time we've been talking, he tweeted... And this is in reference to the Wolf book, which I'm sure a lot of people have heard all kinds yeah. of things about. Which he's trying to he's stop. Saying that he, which he's trying to stop, which is actually being published four days early tomorrow, I've heard. I don't I don't know if that's true or not, but there's so much hype around it. It's being published early. And uh, uh, Dear Leader says, I authorize zero access to the White House. Parentheses. Actually turned him down many times, in parentheses, <laughs> for author of phony book. Exclamation point. <laughs> I never spoke to him full of lies, blah, blah, blah. He calls it, (laughs) look at this guy's past and watch what happens to him and Sloppy Steve. Sloppy Sloppy Steve. Steve. Sloppy Sloppy Steve. Steve. Sloppy Steve. Newest insults on the Twitterverse. I kind of like that, honestly. Sloppy Steve. I was going to say. So this this is real time, folks. This is in real time. (laughs) So speaking of both, well, it's, it's this, you know. I, this is going to sound sexist by saying this, but like, as I texted you earlier, you know the whole the mean girl fight these two are having, which is more so. <laughs> this is a fight in middle school that happens between kids that think they're popular. Apparently, yeah. I hate that he did this. I'm to uh, text this to you right now, but Mitch McConnell's campaign actually sent out a tweet of a GIF. That was objectively funny in reaction to all of was this. Was it him smiling? Yup. Him smiling. Here it comes. Okay. Oh. <laughs> this is what nightmares are He's made so of, creepy. man. Like, I'm not going to sleep with <laughs> He is. But, I mean, come on. Like, and this like just as its own post. <laughs> yep. And it shouldn't be funny because it's... he's such a bad Jesus. person. But, I mean, the timing was pretty funny also it's odd that um what seems to be happening Ugh. to bannon is rather than you know i think there's some within the left that are trying to go aha he's actually a decent guy 
there's just basically everyone is dragging Steve Bannon right now, which he probably deserves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Most likely. <laughs> so I I did want to kind of ask you about Steve Bannon tonight, since this was going to be a topic of conversation. And, you know, with the, with the Wolf book coming out, there's there's a lot of conflicting opinions about the validity of some of the statements and accusations and quotes and so on and so forth. But like Steve Bannon is a figure himself who joined the Trump campaign pretty late in the game in 2016. I mean, do you think he actually deserves any credit for Trump, Trump winning? Like, I think he deserves you know, some, uh, but okay. I think in the same way that, and if anyone's listening to this and going, okay, here we go. In the same <laughs> way that James Comey deserves some credit, in the same way that Bernie Sanders deserves some credit, in the same way that the media deserves some credit, in the same way that sexism deserves some credit. It was just one of these things where there were a lot of headwinds that, well, and to be fair, I, I think Hillary Clinton's campaign her, you know, themselves deserves some credit. They just kind of got in their own way, but... They did have mm -hmm. to overcome a bunch of headwinds. And what this recent thing has, a kerfuffle, if you will, has made me rethink is, and we talked about this a while back, where I read or listened to the audiobook of uh, Devil's Bargain, which talks about Steve Bannon mm -hmm. and Trump mm -hmm. and the campaign, where even before he was on with the Trump campaign, or even before he was probably even supporting Trump, he had laid at least the groundwork of an ant, not hidden laid it. He added to the sort of backroom black, but just this undercurrent and of anti Clinton stuff where he, his think tank founded the Clinton cash book. Sorry, funded, not founded. And, so he'd been doing stuff like that for a while where realizing that the best way to get defeat an opponent is to start churning up shit about them before anything even happens. So while he may not have whipped Trump into a candidate that could have won, he definitely did some stuff that uh, he perpetuated these ridiculous lies about Clinton actually being responsible for people's deaths and stuff like that and mm -hmm. funded people like What's his face that did the whole Pizzagate crap? So I don't think he's a electoral genius in any sense of the word, but he deserves some credit, even if it's for being awful. Sure. But in the same and... way, I think he probably deserves as much credit for Trump winning as Trump does himself. Hmm. Because Trump really didn't. He, Trump is no genius. He just kind of got in front of the camera and went. Blah, 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 shoot people, jail people, grab them by the, you know, stuff. All that things. And then Gr go, grab them by the thing. Muslims are bad. Build the wall. Yeah. I never said that. Okay, I just said that. I never said that. <laughs> we have a tape of you saying that. I never said that. Fake news. <laughs> I mean, he, he lies about creating the term fake news. Like... Irony is dead. Irony is dead. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just... Uh... And this is yeah. where 
because uh, I've been trying to, as I've been reading these books and stuff, and I've been following more, honestly, they're delightful conservative thinkers on Twitter and social media and stuff like that, where I'm trying to go, okay, let, I don't want to use Trump as a cudgel to just beat down all conservatives, all Republicans with. I don't want to do that. And I want to offer, if it's possible, people who voted for Trump because they went, oh, I just can't vote for a Democrat, some sort of a way out. But mm. it's like when um, I believe it was, I think it was Stephen Colbert on Jimmy Kimmel's late night show. And they were talking about how Sean Spicer had come on to Kimmel's program. And the, the, he, you know, I think Colbert was kind of lightly ribbing Kimmel about not really laying into him. Mm-hmm. And Kimmel saying something, well, doesn't, you know, don't people deserve redemption? And from what I remember, Colbert basically responded with, well, they should actually have to, you know, say they're sorry first. <laughs> Colbert is a Catholic. I mean, that totally makes sense for him, right? For sure. And I'm not <laughs> saying, dear listener, if you're out there and you're, you voted for Trump and you think that, you, you know, I'm saying you should have to apologize. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying at this point, go with the, okay, we got to stop this. Like, you don't have to vote for a Democrat at all. You can simply go, this is some horse shit. This guy is, I don't want to even say insane. He's just a, <laughs> I was having this conversation with uh, Julia around Christmas when we were driving up to her parents. Mm-hmm. That he is like the son of the boss you work for, a very powerful boss, who has no friends, so his birthday party consists all of you and your co-workers going, yeah, you're doing a good job, buddy. Yeah, you're super smart. And him just going insane and having no grasp on reality. He is, he's, he's a man-child who has never, obviously never grown up. He is a nine-year-old in a 70-year-old man's body who thinks that all attention is good attention and probably has never even read one of the books that he quote-unquote wrote. No. So, (laughs) that being said, yes, you shouldn't have voted for him, but you didn't have to vote for Clinton. I, I get that. Like, that's true. But you didn't have to vote for Trump either. However, we do need to find a way out of this predicament predicament because while I don't want to equate all Republicans or all conservatives with Trump, the vast majority of congressional Republicans are rubber stamping everything this guy does and just kind of holding mm-hmm. their nose when he you know, brags about, or just nonchalantly talks about going nuclear you know, war and whatever the hell else, or jailing his political opponents, or you know, trying to, uh, what's this new one? The Fake News of the Year Awards? Like, good Which God. he never announced, by the way, very disappointedly. <laughs> uh, yeah. He tweeted again. He tweeted again. 
I don't follow him on Twitter. I just kind of see retweets. I don't. I don't either. I just have it open just because of that psychology article you sent me. <laughs> and yeah, this is some fucked up shit. He's uh, uh he's he's bragging about the stock market and uh, the fake stock and market and all of that stuff, which. Yeah, which, by the way, was like all of these numbers. He It's coming directly from Sean Hannity because I was at the gym and I usually will pick a TV like to work out in front of that I don't agree with because then it's easier for me to focus <laughs> on my workout. <laughs> so, I was in front of uh, Fox News while I was on the Stairmaster God and so Sean Hannity... <laughs> god damn it indeed it just makes me so angry i work out harder and uh like sean hannity that's all of his intro tonight was just about the dow and oh and then even at the end of this tweet can you imagine if o was president and had these numbers would be the biggest story on earth it's like Uh. it's obama's Yep. It's Obama's economy that we're in right now. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, We've talked about that before. Also, yes, remember we have. during oh his gosh. campaign when he was doubting and like saying that, again, not to uh, belabor the point, but he was saying that the unemployment or the, sorry, the employment numbers <laughs> yes. were fake yeah. news. <laughs> We're fake news. It was like 45% unemployment, and now under his administration, it's suddenly 4.1. Oh, yeah. so now you believe the unemployment numbers from last year? <laughs> Come on. I honestly believe uh, that was sort of the same reason that he actually disbanded the, uh, what was it, Committee on Electoral Integrity. Because. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Go I can't ahead. remember what the term is for it. HRC has a term for it in her book where it's making a claim and then frantically essentially Googling for it and finding some random thing that proves your point, like in some tangential way. And I think they were unable to actually get there with the election fraud because they're probably going, oh, shit, this actually proves the the Russian Mm -hmm. angle, right? Okay, we're going to do it right with this. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's because the Democrats didn't get in line with us. Well, actually, most Republicans did neither. Oh, yeah, okay about that. Let's move on. Uh, Mm. The the unemployment numbers, and this made me sad about some of my more conservative friends where they were saying that the bullshit as well. Their adjusted number effectively included children and retirees. Because, Mm. you know, they should be part of the labor force. It might not come for people that are actually currently on it because oh, and I they're hate, the ones voting for yeah. the GOP. And I hate yeah. to pile on here, but mm. I read an article. This has been like 2009, where I posted this on Facebook like a million times. It's an uh, economist piece. It's a, not an article. It's a column, and it's titled "Still Crazy After All of These Years." And in it, the author mentions how these protesters going to these tea party events, you know, will gladly cash their social security checks while demanding that government spending be decreased. And it's because they feel that they have earned social security while, you know, 
I won't say the rest of us, but mainly like young people who maybe younger than us because we're old money uh-huh. needles at this point. More people haven't. So we're seeing that now too, where tax cuts and we want revenue cuts, but hey, let's not touch the things that actually help us. Just get these other things. Oh, and it should be noted, while I don't follow her on Twitter, one of the best tweets I've seen in the past few months was by Jenna Fisher, oddly enough. Of The Office fame? Indeed. Pam. Shit. Okay, Pam. What did Pam have to say? I'm all about Pam Beasley. What did she say? So she lamented that the new tax bill reduced, or I guess got rid of any reimbursement for teachers who buy stuff for their own classroom. Right, yes. And someone corrected her and said, actually, that was taken out at the last second. Huh. And so she posted a statement saying, I did not know that. I owned to not knowing that. I'm glad this was brought up. I apologize for spreading misinformation. And this is why, you know, I think a public debate is good. Mm. And also why I bring this up is we talked about this before, that the Republican tax bill was going to do away with deductions for uh, student loan and stuff like that and... uh, Interest rates and... That was also done away with. So, even though hmm. I don't... Hmm. You said it didn't help, hasn't helped you in the past so far. At no, least it hasn't. That hasn't changed, <laughs> so it will no longer... Sorry, it will continue to not help you, but it might help oh, thank you. others. I don't, I don't know. I was trying to do my tax return the other night, but I couldn't figure out where my bursar statement was, even though it probably doesn't make much of a difference. But, you know... <laughs> I just wanted to bring that up be like, just so we're clear, this isn't some sort of constant liberal trope where we're going down, hey, did you hear about this? 